Welcome to worship, everyone, as we celebrate Reformation this weekend. I know uh, Paul is our kind of our Hall of Faith character uh, for this weekend or for this part of the sermon series. But uh, I'm going to mention Paul, but I'm going to stay focused on that saved by grace through faith stuff that we, we seem to uh, put a lot of stock in. And we'll see what we make out of that in our message. But Paul is definitely going to be an example, um, and we'll see how that works into the message uh, as we tie that into the readings. Um, a couple of announcements, actually a few announcements before we begin our service. We have our Decades Dance right here on November 11th at, I believe it's 6.30. If you have your bulletins, of course, check those for dates and times. And, but that is connected to our 75th anniversary, which happens in February. So keep that on your calendar. And also the Judson uh, University Choir will be giving a concert on November 3rd at our FMC site. And our own Bethany Newman is in that choir, which is why we're hosting that, that concert. And we still need about eight host homes uh, so the students on November 2nd can spend the night and then get to their concert at FMC the next day. So if you are able and willing to open your home to one of those students or a few, um, that would be awesome. Um, oh, is it the third to the fourth? Okay. You see why I say point to those bulletins? The third to the fourth. So they need to stay in your home the evening of the third and they go back to fourth. Okay. I miss, I miss, did that. I miss announced that last week at the other location. So yes, I'm glad that, thanks Steve, that they need to stay that night and we need eight homes at least for, for these kids. If we can get more than we need, that would be awesome too. Um, I was told, Pastor Dan told me that yesterday was 20, the 27th anniversary of Celebration Church. That they were founded on, 19, on Friday, October 27th, 1996. And I was told to bring that up. So 27 years on the 27th. Which... And last but not least, on November 1st, from I believe it's 6.30 to 8, and this is not in your bulletins yet, um, Pastor Aaron is going to be doing a presentation over at FMC Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, from 6.30 to 8, about what's going on in Israel. A lot of people are worried and scared about the, the upheaval in the Mideast, and he's going to bring some history and his knowledge of being over there in that region several times and kind of shed some light on what's going on over there. So it ought to be a really good presentation. So if you're able to make that, that would be awesome. Um, so uh, this Reformation weekend, I'm going to invite you to stand for our first two songs. The second song will be our confession. Came. 
as we sing this song. For the things we've done and left undone For the ways we've wandered from your heart Forgive us, we pray Forgive us, we pray
One of the great things about grace and living by the grace of God is that we don't have to do it ourselves because we are incapable of living and keeping the Ten Commandments to the letter. That's why Paul told anybody that tries to live in the merit of the commandments, they have to live by each and every one of them and never miss one. And we know that doesn't work since we were conceived in sin. But the good news is, that God's grace in the shadow of the cross that we lay our sins down is through our confession. And our confession has been heard by our gracious, loving, and merciful God. And we have been forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Never failing. 
And our first reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the, tru the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And our second reading and basis for the message is from Romans 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we will become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? 
it is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. I think Martin Luther had it right. The Reformation was a great time for people then to hear what salvation really means. It is a gift, pure and simple. When you think about gifts, it's not something that you earn. It is not something that you deserve. It is something that someone gives to you because they care and love for you. We can't sell it. There was indulgences going on back then. It's been 506 years since Luther nailed those theses to the door. And today I want to take a look at that Romans text as, as a basis for understanding what the Reformation, what this weekend, why we preach this and why we celebrate this. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and from our risen, gracious, and victorious Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I think Luther found hope when he realized there was no hope. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Luther, you know, like maybe you do, we all do at times, struggled and was burdened by his conscience for many, many years. He was in agony because he knew in his heart that he couldn't do one thing to please God. There is nothing he could do to be seen righteous in God's sight, no matter what he did. I felt like that at times. What do I do? I'm so unworthy. I'm so despicable. I do so many bad things, whether it's just in my head. And I have no idea how a loving God could ever accept me into eternity. And why do I say Luther was eventually comforted by those thoughts? That we have no hope, that we can't do one thing to please God by keeping the commandments like the Pharisees thought they could? The answer, the righteousness that we all seek, that Luther sought, was all in God, only through faith in Jesus Christ. Something as pastors and as Christians, we throw around all the time. When you see it that way though, that you can't do it, that it's impossible, that it's not something you can attain, it's a load off. The law helps our conscience see that we can't make it, that we are helpless. And we stand before God as lost sheep. It shows us our total and complete dependence on God's grace. So we can't go live a monastic lifestyle or try and reject getting married if that's what we want to do or no amount of penance. If you don't know what that is, it's an action you have to take that you have to put together with absolution in order for forgiveness to take effect. That would be something you could do. You can't add to God's mercy. 
It would never be enough to satisfy God. What we do in and of ourselves is never, ever going to be enough. But when you come to the conclusion that your own efforts are completely fruitless and mean absolutely nothing, it can sometimes be a relief. Have you ever drove yourself nuts trying to solve a problem? And when you come to the realization that there's not one thing you can do to solve it, no matter what you do, or no matter how deep you dig, and the answer is out of your hands, then you have no choice but to look outside of yourself to get where you need to be. Luther found comfort and joy in the book of Romans. And I think the book of Romans was one of the biggest reasons he felt compelled to speak out against the obviously anti-scriptural stuff that was being taught and practiced by the church at the time. Now, obviously, as a pastor, I'm not going to deny someone absolution when they come to me with a repentant heart and confess something or whether we stand here and confess corporately because you don't pay me, but that's what was going on at the time. Back in the 1500s, it was a common practice to pay for forgiveness of sins. That means you have the ability. You in and of yourself, if you had money, you could be forgiven. I know that sounds so ridiculous now, but that was a serious thing back then. but we can confess and that's what the law does. Yeah, it's a guide for our lives and shows us how to live in a better way in a, for the sake of good order, but it also shows us our sin in this Romans text, our conscience. And when we are moved to confess, we are asking God for something we can't earn and don't deserve because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we believe that what he did is enough for our forgiveness. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is our theology in a nutshell. It brought Luther comfort and it should bring comfort to all of us. Salvation, God's love, his mercy is all out of your hands. That's a relief. Luther thought no matter what he did, he would never do enough to satisfy God and be with him in heaven. And he was right. But this leads us to see that faith and eternity with our Savior is a gift and not something we can earn with anything that we can do. Now, in this day and age, I think we have a lot of people who don't care for the way Christians think or how they preach, for lack of a better word, what they believe, what comes out of the Bible. Like we were holier than thou people shaking our fingers at people and telling them how they're living their lives wrong and how they're not doing godly things or criticizing lifestyles. I think at least that's a huge stereotype with us. And I think many times our first witness ought to be to point out that what I just read, we all fall short of the, the glory of God. We don't claim not to be sinners because then you know what we could do? We could boast. 
Where then is boasting? It is excluded. That means don't do it. On what principle? On observing the law? No. Pharisees did a lot of that. Pat themselves on the back, keeping all the commandments, which they, of course they didn't do. You remember that pathetic prayer uh, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? Oh, Lord, thank God I'm not like this lowly man who's not so holy. I mean, that's so pitiful, isn't it? He's basically saying, thank you, Lord, for making me so I don't need your grace. He's boasting. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. We look to Christ and his forgiveness to make us righteous in God's eyes. In his sight, we're clean because of what Jesus did. No, we don't come that way. We don't make ourselves that way. We were all born filthy after what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. We start, when we start our Christian witness from that point, then maybe we can communicate better. What does that look like? <clears throat> when I was in the seminary, um, the, the public schools in St. Louis were doing, were so bad. Um, the, the conditions and, and the things that were going on, and they were allowed actually to partner with churches. Now we couldn't bring prayer into the churches. They, wasn't, they weren't gonna jump that hoop yet. But I don't know, some of you might know who the Lutheran Hour speaker is, Ziegler. Um, and he was a pastor at a church there named, called Epiphany, and he also taught one of my classes. Well, as part of a project that he asked me to help him do, we went into Epiphany, and all he was doing there was kind of establishing relationships with some of the kids. Hey, Pastor Z, they would say, and he would just, he would tell stories. He wasn't able to pray or anything, but he was able to come in and develop relationships with them. And that got some of the families to come to church. And he shared with me an email that he got um, from, from one mom because one of her kids, her kid, her son just loved uh, Pastor Ziegler. And I am not gonna do it justice by summarizing it. I wish I had it, but it wasn't something he, he let me have. He just showed it to me. And uh, basically she, she wrote to him and asked him, does your church, because my son is so excited about you and what you have brought into that public school. Does your church allow, it was a certain kind of lifestyle. The sin's not important. I'm not trying to, to uh, target one sin, sin is sin. And you know how difficult it is to respond to somebody uh, with electronic communication and hope that nothing gets lost in translation, right? So he wanted to meet with her. Of course, she, she wouldn't do that. But what she wanted him to say, he, what he wrote was, we all come to church because we need Jesus. We are sinners and we need forgiveness. And this is where sinners come. But what she wanted to hear was, yeah, it's okay to do what you're doing. And he could not do that. But it was the most well-written, kind, loving, yet gospel-centered response to something like that I think you could have. I think the woman would have said it was law-driven, but he wouldn't compromise the truth of the gospel, but he spoke the truth in 
love like I've never seen before. Speak the truth in love. He did point out to her that we all sin and we all need Jesus. And I think when we start there, we can have better conversations with people. Like I said, she wasn't moved at the time by the spirit to enter Epiphany Lutheran Church through his witness. But uh, he was trying to show her that we have all broken the law and that shows us our need for a savior. And we come to worship and confess before God because we need it. On this Reformation weekend, we know that this stuff is still important, even though it happened back in the 1500s. How the law shows us our helplessness. And Paul, who's supposed to be our hero of faith this weekend, is because God made him a hero. He turned evil into something great. He turned hate into love. He took the most unlikely of people who would advocate for the gospel and made him suffer and bring the gospel to so many different places. God created a hero in Paul who would suffer and preach the good news everywhere, telling people that if you rely on the law to save you, you better keep every bit of it, knowing that that's a hopeless situation, hope, hoping that they would see that they need to live in the shadow of the cross, that they need to live in the hope of the empty tomb. Luther slammed the church for trying to make doctrines that were contrary to what the Bible said, because that's where we stand firm, is in God's word. That's where our truth is. That's where our hope is. So when we see the law, we know that it can't save us. It can't help us except to show us that our sin and our need for Jesus Christ. And when we know that we are helpless and need a shepherd like all sheep who have gone astray, we know the truth and the truth has set us free indeed, because it is still truly all about Jesus. And in his name, amen. And at this time, as we collect our offerings, we just wanna remind you how thankful and grateful we are for your givings to support our ministries here at Faith. is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling
Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you and ask you to have mercy on us, to forgive us, as we know that your mercy and your forgiveness is boundless. And whenever we come before you, as helpless as we are, you will always forgive us and receive us back. Help us to live our lives in gratitude and thanksgiving for that gift. 
letting our light shine before others in thanksgiving what you have given us so that they may have it too. We ask you to be with all those who are ill, recovering from surgery, facing surgery, facing illness, people who are sad, anxious, depressed, thinking of ending their own lives. Lord, we ask you to lift them up and keep them strong in body, mind, and spirit. We ask you to be with those who have lost loved ones, Lord. Give them the hope, the promise of the resurrection, but ease their grief in this life as only you can do. And specifically, we ask you to be with Audrey Rissey, as Len Rissey was called to his heavenly home this past week, and Joan Heyman's great-grandson, who was called to his heavenly home this past week. Walk with them, strengthen them, and give them hope in your promises. And we give you thanks and praise for 28 years of marriage for Dave and Kathy Romnick. We ask you to give them many more years of their lives together with their promises made at you at the center of their lives. We give you thanks, Lord, for our music, for our praise band, our volunteers, and the people who give their talents here so we can make a joyful noise to you each week, Lord. We just give you thanks for your mercy, your grace that we live in each day, and help us not to take that for granted. And we're bold to pray all of this as you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and drink. This is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now may the peace of the Lord be with all of you and take a moment to share God's peace with those around you. There's a place where mercy reigns never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and
I invite you to rise. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul. It's life everlasting. Depart in peace. We pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come, a feast that we don't deserve to take part in, Lord, but since you went to the cross and gave us faith through your great Holy Spirit, we may take part in it one day. Help us to live our lives in love and service to you for what you have done for us. In your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you all with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. And isn't the Lord great? So let's sing a final song. It's going to be a little bit more upbeat, but let's sing How Great Thou Art. Oh
Amazing.